Hello and welcome to the Press Matters podcast. I'm Sam Hyde. I'm joined as always by Toby Puisever. This is our last episode before we get into our season reviews, where we look at what's happened at the Premier League and what we think is going to happen next year. Uh, so we're at that awkward point where the league has kind of been decided. Only the relegation is still to happen. A lot of the places have been sewn up this weekend, uh, so we know a little bit about Champions League and, and all that sort of stuff. Toby? Hello. Hello. Let's open with a hello. Um, yeah, it's all quite... It feels like, I don't know, has the season fallen a bit flat or am I just asking too much of it? Am I expecting too much? Yeah, I think with it being 37 games, it's it's hard to be excited when most of the games don't matter. Uh, and the games that do matter are the relegation fights, which uh, has been pretty damp this weekend. Uh, it's obviously very tense if you're down there, but the results, nothing much has changed. There's a very, very boring Leicester performance, which they kind of wanted a draw, which they got a 0-0 draw at Newcastle, which is obviously a good result, but it means it's slightly out of their hands at the weekend. So uh, I'm sure it'll be a really exciting week next week, but in terms of this week, it's been... Uh, it's been pretty boring. It's been flat, yeah. Much like uh, Leicester dropping Madison for this game against Newcastle. That was kind of like the ultimate acknowledgement that, look, we can't just go and play. We need some sort of solidity to build upon and try and win the game, I suppose, from there. But mainly draw the game. But um, yeah, it has all gone a little bit flat. Um, I suppose because Arsenal have fallen away as rapidly as they have or City have taken off as quickly as they have whichever way you want to look at it um, it's a shame that we don't have a title race going down to the last game of the season it's a shame that we don't have the top four race going down to the last game of the season um, but hey Big Sam's back in business and trying to pull off the great escape so maybe we will have some last final day drama after all I mean it would be a pretty great escape uh <laughs> Well, they've got the easiest. They've got the easiest fixture, haven't they? A Tottenham Hotspur is who leads are playing. Well, everyone's beating who... those. They'll be three 0 up in half an hour. That's the usual stats. It's just whether they can hold on beyond that. Uh, well, we will see. I I wouldn't put it past uh, Ryan Mason to bottle it. Let's say, but uh... well, you get that in there, mate. After last week, you make yourself feel better. But um, I tell you what, on, in a serious note, Big Sam has been getting leads to fly out the blocks a bit and try and give them something to protect. I think that's what they said on Match of the Day, or Sky Sports or something. Um, high intensity early on, and, and you know, try and get a lead to defend. Uh, and if that's going to work against anyone, it's going to work against Spurs, who who do their utmost to throw the result completely because they can only play when there's no pressure on them at all and nothing's expected of them. So. It's going to be quite interesting. I predict 5-5 and Leeds will go 5-0 up in the first half and Spurs will come uh, yeah. come back. It will be 5-0. But once again, Richarlison will have a goal disallowed in the 90th minute where he gets his shirt off. Um, okay. That's what's going to happen. Put the house on it. It's going to be like Ferguson's last game. Uh, it's going to be a... Don't know. Don't remember it. It was the 5-all against uh, West Brom where Lukaku got a hat-trick. Oh, We're... Yes. Okay, that was fun. Um, I did watch a bit. Uh, I did watch a decent amount of Leeds versus West Ham this weekend, and Leeds versus Newcastle. 
Uh, and they they weren't great actually against West Ham. What I saw, they were uh, well. It was like the kind of thing where West Ham just want to like dominate the ball. Uh, like Leeds are just like, well, we're just gonna gonna try and counter. Really, I think I feel a bit bad for Leeds because like the Rodrigo injury has been really bad for them. Uh, but yeah, I think they're gonna be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, because uh. I was telling you about that grid that I saw earlier, which was all the different results from the three teams that could get relegated and what results would be needed for who to stay up. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad for Leeds at the moment. I was looking at the uh, the 538 uh, predictions as well, which are always good, and they've got Leeds uh, at 95% chance Oof. to go down, Leicester Oof. at 82% as well, so... Uh, the odds are very, very bad for Leicester and Leeds. It, it, Everton are only at twenty three percent. So uh, that's quite shocking, really. Actually, the amount of difference when when you look at the table and there's not that much difference, right? Yeah, but it's because there's two teams below Everton, isn't it? And like Leicester and Leeds would both need to get a result. True. And, two have uh, to go. Two have to go against them and their own result. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And Everton just need a draw to be above Leeds as well, so it it's really bad for Leeds basically. Like Everton have to lose and Leicester have to not be good either. So uh But yeah. all very possible. Because there's a reason they're all down there, because they have all been pretty bad. But so, yeah but they do need Leeds to be good against Spurs. I mean on the form table, how bad are Spurs on the form table? Because surely like it's they're the worst. <laughs> they can't be the worst, can they? They've got. I don't one, know. In my head, Spurs of yeah, but Spurs were 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 fifth and they're now eighth, right? Yeah, Leeds and Leicester have worse form. Leeds and Leicester both have worse form. They have worse form than Spurs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, it was to be expected that. 18th and 19th but I reckon it's close but to be fair they're the only teams that have worse form than Spurs so uh... okay exactly exactly so really on form Leeds are playing the other team down there I mean sure yeah yeah we'll have to take this in for our predictions actually won't we I'm thinking how high am I going to put Tottenham next year looking at this well it's so it's so hard to call it because who's going to be there you know, and also it depends. Well, it depends where I do my predictions. Do I do it in a in a bar in Greece, when a stranger at the table next to us said that I looked like his nephew, so bought all of our drinks for the night. You know, because that's when I lasted this year's predictions. Taking it very seriously, as you can as you can see. But maybe maybe this year will be different. Maybe this year I'll I'll um I'll take things very seriously. Which will mean that I put Liverpool top again. Okay, so look, Spurs bad, Leeds could. I I, I think the those odds are. You're saying it's got to be. They do have to beat Spurs though. Surely they can't. Surely they can't. They probably will. They probably will beat Spurs, but it still won't be enough. That's my prediction for the weekend. You think Everton will get a result against Bournemouth? Bournemouth are uh, lost three in a row, so. And they're on holiday. Well, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so... So, yeah, I do think Everton will get a result against Bournemouth. Unless the only thing that plays into their hands is that 
Everton need the result against Bournemouth and go for it. But then they need the draw. No, yeah, Leeds are so relegated. But whoever goes down, it's going to be nuts next season in the Championship because you've got a Middlesbrough team under Carrick who who have impressed and who are sort of tipped to go up uh, in the playoffs. You've got you've got three of well, you've got Southampton who could potentially have a good Championship squad if they can hold on to certain players and and add in the right areas. Um, but you've got Southampton and then you've got Leicester, Leeds or Everton, two of those three joining as well. So it's going to be a tough league to get out of. And then you've got your classics, you sort of... Well, with Coventry and Luton being in the playoff final, there's like an unexpected space taken. You know, there's a team taken by an unexpected... There's a place taken by an unexpected team. So there are teams that were perhaps seen as better who are still in there trying to get out the championship uh, with now even more sort of wealth coming in and even from League One I think it was like the wealthiest teams that came up like Ipswich came back into the championship um, so it's going to be interesting so I'm saying my, my, my prediction here Sam is scrap the Premier League next year it's boring City win it every year let's just follow the championship let's turn this into a championship podcast How, what are your thoughts on that? oh yeah well, I think uh, there's probably a lot less championship podcasts out there, so uh, that's that's a tick already. We exploit the um, niche. I want to go all the way and do whatever league Carlisle are in next year, because I don't actually know what league they're in. Uh, pe- people always talk about the championship, and they're like, they're always splashing the cash, aren't they, championship teams? Let's go Absolutely. to the real football. Let's see some real football, hey? Yes. Will you be watching the League Two playoff final? When weekend? is the League Two playoff final? Is it this weekend? On on Sunday. Sunday. Or Saturday. Sunday. Yeah, hold on. It's, I think it's Saturday, actually. Have a look, because I don't know what country I'm going to be in Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. It, it differs. No, I, I, sorry. I do know what country I'll be in. It sounds like I'm getting kidnapped. But I don't know... I need to know which day because it'll be a different place. So, we are also recording this just before uh, Brighton versus Man City. Um, Pep's come out and made a lot of comments about uh, Deserby, well, positive comments, saying that they're the most unique team in the league, um, saying he loves how they play, the classic. So, I mean, incoming 6 0, don't get me wrong. Um, but I thought it was interesting. He he hasn't rotated too much. He's well, he he has from the last game, but he's gone back to sort of the original team. Obviously, he's got he's got Ortega playing goal rather than rather than Edison, and he's still got Rico Lewis playing. But he has got you know Walker Stones. Oh, I say this now. It's Rodri at centre back. It's Rodri at centre-back, Sam. Walker Stones, Rodri at centre-back, Lewis left-back. Um, but De Bruyne starts, Haaland starts, Foden starts, Mares starts. So he's gone... I mean, I think it's stronger than he went against Chelsea. And I feel like it was a bit of a... I feel like it was his litmus... Not litmus test, but it was his, his like mark of respect, almost, playing Haaland against Brighton and not Chelsea. I felt like he was... 
felt like it was a statement in itself, Sam. That he respects Brighton more than Chelsea currently. Which, I mean, would, would, would make sense. Chelsea are a shambles. But, um... Yeah, any predictions for that game? It's quite a it's quite a fun game sort of for next season. Because this season's done. But it's kind of fun in, in a sense of like, well, how high could Brighton's ceiling be and how many problems can they cause the dominant side there? You know? And and how the systems match up in in the sense that Man City plays such a possession dominant and, and aggressive press. But Brighton are a team that like to bait a press to then play through it. It's kind of like a, a litmus test of how far Deserby's team has come along in its plans to, to be what he wants them to be, which is the team, I, I, I guess, that can invite pressure on and play through it no matter what the pressure, right? Against Arsenal, invited pressure and at times went slightly more direct. Well, this is another test against Man City. How direct do they need to go? Can they Can they keep... You know, can they keep possession for sustained periods against a, a really aggressive press? How good is Deserby? What's the ceiling, I guess, is is the question more than anything then, rather than Brighton. We know that Brighton can recruit intelligently and we know that they can bring in good managers. But could they have fallen upon one that could take them? He's already taken them into Europe, but can he take them into a top four? Can he take into that conversation? Um, I was listening to a little clip of, of Tony Bloom in the dressing room. And he does his little spiel about how proud he is and everything, blah, blah, blah. And then afterwards, De Zerbi says, now we need to make a squad that can compete in the Europa League, in the Premier League, in the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, right? Because the next progression now for Brighton is not to just be a fun team that hipsters like and, and they overperform, but can they win something? Can they... Can they and I would put top four in the bracket of winning something. But can they really compete, you know? How, is is Deserby the next, next big thing? Or the next big, big thing? I should have said, I said the wrong word twice. How high do you think his ceiling is, Sam? Yeah, well, I think, I think to be honest, Deserby will have to leave Brighton at some point. Uh, and I think it's in his best interest to do that when he's in his most wanted. I mean, I'd... I, don't think he'll go this summer, but it could be next season that he'll leave, maybe. Well, well, people will want him this summer. People will want him this summer. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he could leave, couldn't he? But I don't know. I just think getting Brian to this place, like, he's not been there very long. I, I feel like managers should stay. Like I was saying with Graham Potter, it's like the Brighton project is finally paying off, so why wouldn't you... Uh, see where it goes um, but at the same time I think there is a, a limit to the squad I think it would need too much investment that they, that they can't do and like the big rumours about Caicedo and McAllister going and then like, I'm just looking at the squad that they're playing against Man City and you know it's it's a big ask to get it into the top four you know like they're still playing well back like yeah. they they'd need someone up top definitely they need a new goalkeeper there's a lot of players that are still quite raw in there so, that's exactly uh, I was going to say even the Incisos and the Buenonotes that are like great fun they're still very very raw and even your Matomas and stuff his actual like output isn't isn't anything to fall off your chair about yeah like he'll still improve of course but uh, yeah I think Brighton are sixth at the moment so 
I think that's probably about about fair when they've got like such a good manager and the the right squad, the right types of players. Assuming that they can replace the the players that leave for big money if they do. I mean, the Brighton scouting is obviously so great that I'm sure they'll be able to find someone. But you, there is like that worry in your mind that it'll be like the Southampton kind of situation where if the if the big teams just keep raiding them all the time that they're they're going to drop off. And so yeah, that's why I think that Deserby should uh, move on like relatively soon. Yeah, I th- I think I think on the Southampton thing, maybe there is a case that if you have to refresh and replenish your your best assets so frequently, surely there comes a time when you're just bound to get it like the law of averages, you're going to get it wrong at some point, right? And then th- and then that's going to be so costly when you do get it wrong. But then saying that, if they have a proven recipe for success, then Maybe it's it's the flip side. It's the inverse of that, and and you know they've got the formula. Why would they now get it wrong? I don't know. It's a it's a tough one. But I think there's so many variables in football that it's just it it could like regressing to the mean could could be could be just around the corner at any time. You know, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting, and it'll be interesting how how they cope with sort of bigger expectations more competition and also teams setting up differently against them teams going there and saying well we can't swing toe for toe well swing with toe for toe is that even a thing blow for blow do you mean so we can't blow. yeah yeah we can't sw- <laughs> we can't swing blow for blow with you we'll sit in like everton did and just pick completely tore them apart um so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting how the formula evolves and copes with the expectations and setups of other teams evolving and changing as well. Um, but I think tonight's a good sort of litmus test for look. He wants to play through pressure. Well, he's a team that's gonna gonna squeeze you very well and and cause all sorts of problems. Yeah, I think a lot of teams will look at that Everton game because they were so, so dominant Everton. Like tactically, it was so, uh, so effective at dismantling Brighton that, um, yeah, it's kind of the blueprint. But you know, these these teams always have to reinvent themselves, don't they? Like tactically and with the, the score that they have. And uh, I think Zerbi has proven that he's good enough to be able to reinvent but you know like pretty much any team in the Premier League recruitment is so important like you know you say Man City maybe it doesn't matter as much but I've seen like Arsenal really struggle with their recruitment and uh, you know like all throughout the league it's it does mess you up if you get that recruitment wrong just for like a summer uh, as we've seen with, with Leicester a lot as well like a lot of the reason they're down at the bottom now is lack of finances and then bad recruitment around that so uh, yeah if, if Brighton get it right they'll be fine but it's it's a big question a bit a big summer for them for sure yeah and and uh, as you just mentioned tactical innovation there the other thing the big sort of takeaway from from my season okay as a Liverpool fan has been the fact has been watching Man City and Liverpool were two dominant outfits yeah 
who basically had 10 outfield players who would all work at their maximum off the ball. Okay? Last season, there was not a single player in the Liverpool team that was, like, carried defensively. Okay? In the sense that... I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at the number nines more than anything, yeah? Because it's, like, Firmino, who, who is the number nine, and then when Luis Diaz came in to the back end of the season in January and he went to the left and Mane went down the middle, Mane was still offering defensively that work rate, right? Now, this we're going full circle, okay? The opening sort of day Nunes and Haaland debate, which was never a debate, yeah? And we all we can all see that now, right? We've been humbled as Liverpool fans, but everyone's been humbled as, as a fan of... Football and uh, fan of the Premier League watching Haaland just rock up and and completely tear up the records, but the big tactical like takeaway for me is that we went from having ten players off the ball who were all pressing demons who were all completely focused on the off the ball game, and Man City had the same, and then Man City bring in a striker who is an unbelievable goal scorer who isn't bad off the ball. But he's not a pressing forward. He's not a he's not a forward whose first instinct is is how to sort of suffocate and limit the other team and lead a press, right? And the same with Darwin Nunes. And early on, both teams look Liverpool struggled far more than City struggled. But Pep then had to come up with a system, right? And and this is all just sort of me thinking out loud and, and off the back of the tactical innovation comment but the biggest tactical innovation this season has been being able to go from total dominance with 10 out of possession superstars like elite out of possession players to basically go into nine elite out of possession players but can you still dominate and and look arsenal have, have are obviously um valid in this conversation and the out of possession structure has been fantastic, and and I don't think there have been any passengers in 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 the pressing play from Arsenal, right? But you've got Gabriel Jesus, who who who's an interesting one because he's somewhere sort of in between your Firmino, where it's like he's actually not fantastic in front of goals, but he's knitting things together and and pressing so well. Or or Mane afterwards is good in front of goal, but was still ha- very robust defensively. And then you've got Haaland, the other end of the spectrum, who is it's not like a case where he doesn't want to run, but it's a case where he he's he's not built to. He's not he's not the same physique and and shape and and wiry and and ready to press and harry in the, in the same way, right? He he's sort of a player of attacking bursts. And then you've got Jesus in the in the middle, who I think has actually sort of allowed you to to be so dominant because you you have ten players whose out of possession focus is or or, or defensive transitional focus is is elite, right? When you lose the ball, there's the immediate instinct to go and win it, and you can obviously instill philosophies and ways of playing within players but you also do need the right players for it a little bit I think Liverpool have struggled this season because they've not had the right players for it and City under Pep 
the reason they won the league quite simply is because that he figured out a way of having nine elite players out of possession and nine would be enough. That makes it seem like Haaland's a passenger off the ball and he isn't. But he's just not the same level as players who've played there before. Um, but he still worked out ways of of being able to dominate. Whereas previously he would have played maybe Foden as a false nine. He had games where he played Sterling sort of down the middle, but more still as a pressing forward. He had games where Gabriel Jesus was playing a lot, you know, down the middle. Um, so yeah, that was, you just said tactical innovations. And I was thinking the other day about how 10 presses kind of become, became nine presses for both Liverpool and City at the same time. But Klopp couldn't really get it to click. And Nunes also didn't really deserve a whole the, the system to be torn up for him because he wasn't doing enough. But if you're going to tear up a system and bring in a new one, you do it for the guy who's scoring at an alarming rate, and that's Erling Haaland. So um, that's my uh, big tactical innovation takeaway of the season, I think. I would say that Jesus is definitely a pressing forward, in, in my view. Uh, it, I mean, Arsenal aren't quite... You know the Liverpool gag and press style, but uh, everyone in in the Arsenal team works pretty hard, and I think that's something that people massively overlook with uh, Odegaard, for example, uh, and Martinelli as well. Uh, Absolutely, two two of two of like the player of the season nominees, like obviously Odegaard, brilliant technically. Martinelli is so quick, so good at dribbling, but um, just that Arteta has been getting him to to work as hard as he as they are, is, is very good. Well, I was just going to say, on, on Odegaard and Martinelli, they're not people that you look at their frame and you go, he's a defensive monster, right? But, but you wouldn't say it for Salah, but it's people with ex- exceptional physical conditions and you instill this thought process where the first reaction, the first inst- instinct is, is to press, but in a cohesive manner, Right? You don't have to be six. You don't have to be Dan Burns' physique to be a defender, right? In fact, you couldn't be if you were uh, an advanced defender. Let's call it. Let's call a winger. If we if we strip a winger back in a Klopp, Pep, or Arteta system, they have to be incredibly defensive. But they have to be the right frame to go and be defensive. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's been massively overlooked, and that's actually been the thing that's got you close to the Liverpool and and City, mainly you know the City level. But I'm clinging on to some sort of happiness. But sorry, go on. Yeah, you're just saying about uh, City defending like with nine, uh, because you know you want Holland to be the one that is getting on the end of, end of everything. Like the less he's involved in build up, is kind of the better, really. Like getting him focused on on his uh, attacking positioning I guess but uh, yeah it's obviously like City season turned around when they were doing this four centre-backs lineup, uh, and that sort of used to be like uh, something you see Burnley do trying to like squeeze out a 1-0 win away or something like that um, but I guess with like the, the modern centre-backs it's just a totally different style play isn't it where if you think like how much centre-backs have come on technically in like the last 10 years then uh playing with uh playing with these four center backs is just a totally different setup than it would have been when you think of like what Burnley used to do 
Absolutely, and they're all and and the the centre backs that go to fullback are ball playing. They're all ball playing centre backs, but you got Stone stepping into midfield, and and looking so comfortable. Yeah, would you uh, where where do you stand on the manager of the year discussion? Because um, this innovation from Pep seems to have done quite a lot of work for them, and it feels like the. The, I guess the negatives of Holland, even though he is the player of the year, um, switching to the, the four at the back has kind of made them into this complete team now. You, is that like how how much weight do you think that would have in a manager of the year discussion? Um, I think it has a lot. I think it has a lot. I think it's frustrating because you can look. He's got the best players, but he also makes the best players. So it's very hard to work it out. I think it goes to Pep. I think. I think to be honest, right? You know when when people were talking earlier and, they, and well earlier on the season, I was one of them. I was saying Harlem makes them a worse team, right? Like it's ludicrous. But it is true. It's more just because of how good they were. But I, I did think that Harlem made them a good team, a, a worse team. And I think the biggest evidence for that is the fact that Pep had to change quite a lot. Right? Yeah. Well, the getting rid of Cancelo is a big uh, indicator. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Because because you can't have. Look, you can't have a forward five like Pep has and have Cancelo playing but not part of that five really I don't think as, as soon as you're playing like a, a right you're building up with like a either a 2-3-5 or a 3-2-5 pretty much just dependent on the amount of strikers the other team's playing and if they're playing two up top then you would go 3-2-5 in my eyes if you're if they've only got the one, you could you could really squeeze them back and have two, three, five, right? And and before they were always playing two, three, five with Cancelo coming into midfield or something like that. And I, I just think you can't have when when the pitch is when his pitch is so he, so front loaded and so heavy with attacking talent, and your two eights are very attacking as well. You, you can't have a a Cancelo who's who's flying around the outside and is also a defensive liability. On the halfway line, when Liverpool beat Man City at home, 1-0, it was Cancelo 1v1 with Salah, and he gets done. He gets done on the turn. It's a long ball from Madison. He gets done by it. We go in and we score 1-0, and we were in a poor patch of form. I think we just lost to Leeds, to be honest, at home, and our Anfield record had gone. And... and Pep's spoken in, in some interviews recently where he's talked about to deal with the Sackers, the Martinellis, the Salas, the Vinicius Juniors, you have to have fantastic 1v1 defenders. And and that, to me, kind of screams the biggest reason why Cancelo went. Cancelo went because, look, he wasn't a good enough 1v1 defender. And to be honest, the source of goals wasn't really coming from him anymore. It, they weren't just dependent on him to create. So... There's no sort of luxury role in the team now for for him to just be an attacking outlet and be kind of like a spare a spare part in a in a dominant system because you've only got nine true my first instinct is to defend the transition kind of players anyway because you've got Haaland in there so you know having having more defensive frailty when the ball is being turned over 
arguably more because you have more attacks that kind of reach a completion. It's just a different picture. So, to long story short, I think I think it goes to Pep. I think it could easily go to Arteta because of the journey he's taken them on. I think it could go to Deserbi. I think it could go to Unai Emery. But if we're being realistic, okay, he's got the best squad, so it's annoying. But he is the best coach. Yeah, I I think in terms of optics, I don't think it can go to Arteta. I think the the end of the season has been so bad. When you look at it rationally, or just when you look at the, the results as, as they lie, I don't think Arteta can get it. As brilliant as he's been, he's definitely right up there. I think the Deserbi, uh, Deserbi's innovations have been really interesting to see, and Brighton have obviously been amazing this season. So yeah, I it it would feel like Deserbi's a bit of like a hipster football journalist choice. Uh, I think I would give it to Pep as well. Um, Emery has been brilliant. Obviously, I don't really like giving it to managers that. Are, there for such a short time yeah I was thinking the same but the uh, problem is that it doesn't really leave you many people yeah that's true I mean Eddie Howe's done, done great as well but I don't know if he's done like actually that much better than he did last season to be honest um, I feel like it's a natural progression but you know it's not like a most improved manager is it I guess but yeah for, for me it's Pep I think just watching how he's solved the problems in that City team and even though they were getting good results at the start of the season they were like at a lower level than they were before and in the second half of the season they've just completely found that and I'm going to keep bringing up the fact that I said City won't win the last 14 games of the season uh, as it stands they're 1-0 up which would make it 13 wins in a row before the last game which so, they won't even uh, need yeah well, they don't need this, they don't need yeah. this, but they won all the games they needed to win. <laughs> yeah, Pe- Pep has showed me up completely. <laughs> He's So, I've, uh, yeah, I'll give it to Pep. I think that's fine. I think you're allowed to be uh, shown up by Pep. Okay, that about covers it for this week. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a break before we do our season review. We'll go through our predictions for this season and see how right or how wrong we were uh, and we'll do predictions for next season and all sorts of transfery stuff to look forward to uh, a little bit later in the summer I've got a stat to close on yeah Erling Haaland has now registered 8 assists this season more than Paul Scholes's record for a single Premier League season have that, hey, have it. Where I'm trying, to... yeah, yeah, I'm, I was, yeah. <laughs> That's the stat, isn't it? Because he used to be in in the ten rod, didn't he? Skulls. He wasn't just a long ball merchant. Well, I don't care where he was. All right, you know, I don't care where he was. What's Gerard's assists? How many? How many has he got in a season? Um, more, more, more than, than eight. eight. I assume. Okay. Well, I'm going to counter your um, your slightly bitter point about skulls. All right. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, I'd say uh, Gary Neville had quite a good team of the season. And uh, he was better than Jamie Carragher. I actually can't listen to anything about Gary Neville anymore. No, this we're not going to bring him up. Do you want to know why? Have you seen this Stephen Bartlett clip of him on Diary of a CEO? Yeah, his, his mini His mini retirement. It's just a holiday. Or a weekend. Well, we... We're going to have a mini retirement of our own. Is this guy for real? Uh, Is this guy actually for real? He says, what I'll do, I'll go away for three days and I'll have a mini retirement. I won't think about work. It's just the weekend. Or it's just a holiday. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to hearing about all, all the football you come across in your mini retirement. Yes, I am going on a mini retirement and I'm going to be watching Will Stills Rance. Against uh, playing, going to Leon. So, uh, yeah, you don't know who the manager of Leon is, do you? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I should know that, but I don't think I do. Can you enlighten me? Laurent Blanc. Oh, it's Laurent Blanc. There Laurent you go. Blanc. He's been he's been about the block. Around the block. Uh, but I will be able to scout out who's that fullback that um Chelsea bought from them. Oh uh, yeah, he's got a funny name, isn't he? Like Brillo Brallo or something. Rick-a-brack. Brilla. He's Gus- Gusto. Max- Ma- Malimo Manuno Gusto. Gusto or something. Manu Gusto. Malamana. Manu, Manu Gusto. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll do a little scouting report for you on him, him if you want. And um, Mal- Malo Gusto. Yeah, Malo Gusto. Okay. Malo Gusto. Malo Gusto. And um, f- uh, Balogun will be playing. That's about it, really. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll send you a picture. I'll send you a postcard, even. Hey. Probably won't. You won't. Oh, there's no way. I will be watching the League Two playoff final <laughs> with Carlisle Stockport. Yeah, you... Salford got knocked out. Yeah, justice. So, yeah. And yeah, you and your mini retirement, get out of here. I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm not going. On no, not you, Gary Neville and his and his Salford oh. band of merry men. He's been taking one too many mini retirements, and now his uh, his team hasn't got promoted, and it's all his fault. I see. Thank you, Toby. Uh, we'll be back for all, all of what I just said. Bye for now. Bye. Bye for now. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>